there's an incredible part of the Christmas story that most have never heard. We're all, of course, familiar with the passage from the second chapter of the New Testament book of Luke, where shepherds are living out in the fields, keeping watch over their flock by night. They're encountered by an angel of the Lord who says, For there is born to you this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord, and this will be the sign for you. You will find a babe wrapped in swaddling clothes lying in a manger. That baby is later described by John the Baptist in the first chapter of the Gospel of John as Jesus, the Lamb of God who would take away the sins of the world. What if I told you the manger in which Jesus was born was located in the same place where the lambs were raised to be used as sacrifices for the Jewish people in the mighty temple in Jerusalem? In other words, Jesus was born amongst the sacrificial lambs. This is an amazing story. Stay tuned. I'm Brian Sussman, and welcome to Hidden Headlines. Welcome to Hidden Headlines, Faith, Family, Freedom. This is podcast number 49 and I'm sure glad you're with me right now. This is an amazing story. This is an amazing theory, and it very well may be spot on. I read this in a magazine that I've been just so faithful to over the years. It's a publication of the Billy Graham Evangelical Association. It's called Decision Magazine, subtitled The Evangelical Voice for Today. This is from their December 2019 edition. Let me go back a little bit. Billy Graham has always been such a hero to me. Uh, This was back in 1980, way back when I was working for a television station in Reno, Nevada, and I had a television program every Friday night called Night Scene. Actually, I take that back. It was five nights a week, Night Scene. I would cover the Reno nightlife On this particular Friday edition, I was highlighting Billy Graham. Billy Graham had come to town to do a crusade at the Reno Convention Center. I was able to get a one-on-one interview with Billy Graham prior to the crusade. And it was supposed to be a 15-minute interview. It was going to be the last interview of the day for Billy. It was on Thursday. And he was very, very busy in preparation for uh, the Friday night meeting. And it's interesting because, again, we were supposed to meet for 15 minutes. And once we sat down to talk and he realized that I was a believer, and not only a believer, but a Jewish believer in Jesus as well, uh, we, we were together for 45 minutes. It was, in some ways, the most amazing 45 minutes of my life because here I was sitting down with arguably one of the greatest evangelists of all time. I know there have been some great ones over the centuries, but in our lifetime, certainly he has been the most dynamic, influential, and successful evangelist. What a wonderful and beautiful man. Following our get-together, he wrote me a letter, and I'm going to read to you from the letter. It hangs on the wall of my, my man cave, where I also do these podcasts. And at the very end of the letter, again, it's dated 1980, November 17th, he said, May God continue to richly bless you. 
It is a privilege to co-labor with you in the gospel. Billy Graham called me a co-laborer. In other words, he, he saw something in me whereby he realized my sincere, my faith was sincere, and I really wanted to use my life and my career and my gifts and talents to glorify God. And so ever since, I've been you know, a great admirer of Dr. Graham, and I subscribe to all of the Billy Graham publications. That long intro gets us to this particular article in the Decision Magazine dated, uh, dated December 2019. It's by a gentleman named Mark Bailey. Mark Bailey is, uh, he is the president of the Dallas Theological Seminary. Now, for those of you who know about this kind of stuff, the Dallas Theological Seminary is one of the top Christian seminaries in the country and regarded highly around the world as being as such. Mark Bailey puts together this incredible article entitled, Christmas Means More Than You Realized. God orchestrated details of history to be signs of significance. That's the byline. Now, in the last podcast, we talked about December 25th. Where did this date come from? I think most would agree the date was, was it actually Jesus' birth date? Uh, we, we can't be sure looking at history. Uh, we do know this, that the Roman government did, and, and the pagan religions of that day, back in Jesus' time, and shortly thereafter, they were involved in sun worship, S-U-N, you know, the, the sun in the sky. They were worshipped the sun, and they would typically do it about December 25th, just after the winter solstice. So you would have the earth going into its three darkest days of the year in the Northern Hemisphere, and then after those darkest days, you know, the longest nights have ended, that would be the date in which they would worship the sun for coming back from the darkness or something like that. But December 25th, no doubt about it, was a pagan holiday celebrated throughout much of the Northern Hemisphere especially that part of the Roman Empire. So it's possible that because of the growing Christian population at that particular time, which was indeed a threat to the Roman Empire, not a, a threat physically, but a threat morally, spiritually, and in terms of a voting population, they were to be contended with because they were growing like wildfire. And so it's very likely that Constantine may have chosen that particular date to begin worshiping or commemorating the birth of Jesus. But all that said, listen, I'm, I'm so grateful that there have been so many sincere followers of Jesus over the years who've decided to make Jesus the reason for the season. I know Madison Avenue would have you believe it's all about gifts and buying and sales That gets tiring really fast, but the bottom line is, I believe that indeed, 25th or not, Jesus is the reason for the season. He came into this world to save people, all people, all people of all persuasions from their sins and offer them eternal life. So now let's talk about this, this first Christmas, if you will. 
what do we know about it? The best account is in Luke chapter 1. It's one of the four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And in the Gospel of Luke, we read in the very first chapter about a woman named Mary. Mary was likely a young teenager. And we see here in verse 26 of chapter 1, Now in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent by God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth, to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. The virgin's name was Mary. And having come in, the angel said to her, Rejoice, highly favored one. The Lord is with you. Blessed are you among women. Now, how do you respond to that? First of all, an angel coming to see you and then saying this? Well, Mary acts accordingly. But when she saw him, she was troubled at his saying and considered what manner of greeting this was. And then the angel said to her, Don't be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bring forth a son, and his name will be Yeshua. Well, Jesus in this particular translation, but Yeshua. And he will be great, and he will be called Son of the Highest. And the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David. And he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there will be no end. Now, it should be noted that the name Jesus, which of course in Hebrew is Yeshua, means Savior. To our knowledge, no one in her family had been named Jesus before. So she's told by this angel to name the child Jesus. She knew the meaning of that name. So how does she respond further? First, she says this. How can this be? Since I do not know a man. She was a young virgin woman who loved the Lord. And the angel answered her and said, The Holy Spirit, in Hebrew that would be the Ruach HaKodesh, will come upon you. And the power of the highest will overshadow you. Therefore also, that Holy One who is to be born will be called the Son of God. So how does Mary respond to all of this? Again, she's a young, godly woman who has just been spoken to by an angel. And she said this, Let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. Now we move on to the second chapter of Luke, verse 1, and we get a little more information. And it came to pass in those days that a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world shall be registered. So again, the Roman Empire, to feed the ego of Caesar, wanted to see how many people were in the kingdom. Joseph was the man that Mary was betrothed to. They were the couple. Joseph was her fiancé. They were to be married. Joseph, we read in verse 4, also went up from Galilee out of the city of Nazareth into Judea, into the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David, to be registered with Mary, his betrothed wife, who was now with child. So it was that while they were there, the days were completed for her to be delivered. And she brought forth her firstborn son, and wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. 
Now, let's talk about that, and then we'll continue, and then I'm going to get to this this fascinating theory. Uh, They're in Bethlehem, the city of David. The other city of David is Jerusalem. They're in this little town of Bethlehem, and they're there for the census. There is no place for them to stay. Uh, There was no place with family. They looked to the inn. For whatever reason, they were not able to get into this small little motel. We could theorize that, but let's just continue. The only place apparently for them to stay, most say, was in the manger. When we hear manger, what does that actually mean? The word manger actually, more specifically, talks about a, is a feeding trough. It's, it's a feeding trough where you know, the animals would feed. What kind of animals might we be talking about? Well, let's talk about the trough. I'm sure it wasn't full of food. I'm sure that they made it into a nice, cozy place, like a crib, for the baby Jesus to be laid after being born. But what kind of animals was Bethlehem known for? Uh, Bethlehem was the place where the lambs that were to be sacrificed in the temple in Jerusalem were raised. So is it possible that Mary and Joseph found themselves staying in this place where the sacrificial lambs were raised, and here is their baby who is going to be the sacrificial lamb slain for the sins of the world. That's where the story gets really interesting. Now, let's continue with Luke chapter 2. I'm now at verse 8. There were in the same country shepherds living out in the fields, keeping watch over their flock by night. And behold, an angel of the Lord stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them. And they were greatly afraid. Again, you see an angel face to face, there would be a certain amount of awe and maybe even fear that would overcome you because the angel is who the angel is and you're just a little person. And behold, an angel of the Lord stood before them and the glory of the Lord shone around them and they were greatly afraid, overcome. And then verse 10, the angel said to them, do not be afraid for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy which will be to all people. For there is born to you this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. He's the Messiah. Verse 12, And this will be the sign to you. You will find a babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger, in a feeding trough. And suddenly there was, an, there was with the angel a multitude of heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest and, and on earth peace and goodwill towards men. So it was when the angels had gone away from them into heaven that the shepherds said to one another, Let us now go into Bethlehem and see this thing that has come to pass, which the Lord has made known to us. And they came with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the babe lying in a manger. It's interesting because they made haste. They seemed to know exactly where to go when this angel showed up and told them. They went right into the exact 
part of Bethlehem where they knew there would be a feeding trough. Now we're going to continue with the rest of the story. So now let's dive into this article from the Decision Magazine, December edition. It's written by Mark Bailey. Mark Bailey is the president of the Dallas Theological Seminary. Dallas Theological Seminary is one of the top seminaries in the evangelical world. So Mark Bailey, obviously a very sharp guy, and he begins by quoting from the second chapter of Luke, as we just read, and in the same region where there were shepherds out in the field keeping watch over their flock by night, an angel appears to them and says, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good, good news of great joy that will be for all the people. Unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling clothes lying in a manger. Sign, a sign for you. In other words, one that the sign would be well known to these shepherds, a baby lying in a manger. Okay, if, if I were to look for a baby lying in a manger, I wouldn't even know where to go. But these guys knew exactly where to go. Bethlehem, David's hometown. By the way, Micah 5.2. Micah is a book in what is commonly referred to as the Old Testament. Micah is a prophet, chapter 5, verse 2, specifies Bethlehem as the birthplace of Messiah. It says, But you, O Bethlehem, who are too little to be among the clans of Judah, from you shall come forth for me one who is to be ruler of Israel. It's possible the shepherds knew this. Uh, Jewish shepherds, they all went to Shul. Or, which is the, the religious education that all young Jewish people would go through. They went to shul. They knew the word of God. They'd been taught accordingly by the rabbis. They were all waiting for the coming of the Messiah. You, O Bethlehem, too little to be among the clans of Judah, from you shall come forth for me, one who is to be ruler in Israel. Now, of course, it was David who was born in this particular location. And David, of course, ends up becoming a ruler of Israel, but there would be a greater ruler down the line, indeed, the king of all creation, Messiah. So this portion is quoted in the New Testament, but it's interesting because the text of Micah continues, and it doesn't make it into the New Testament. It says this, "...whose coming forth is from old, from ancient of days." In other words, the one born in Bethlehem, we're not talking about David. We're talking about the eternal Son of God. You know, Jesus didn't begin in Bethlehem. Jesus began at the foundation of this world. He is the one who existed for all time. He was the one who eventually became flesh and was born in Bethlehem. So Bethlehem is significant. But, but so are the shepherds and this stable where this manger is located. The New Testament doesn't mention the exact location of Jesus' birth in Bethlehem. It's said that he was laid in a manger there. He was lying in a manger, we read in the book of Luke, as I mentioned. So what is being referenced and what specific animal 
was fed in this manger? Well, there are two Old Testament texts that refer to a place called the Tower of the Flock. In Hebrew, it would be Migdalader. In these passages, we see prophetic glimpses of the birth, death, and ultimate reign of Messiah. Now, continuing to read from this article by Mark Bailey, the Tower of the Flock, the Tower of the Flock, is first mentioned in Genesis after Jacob, the patriarch, buries his wife Rachel. He journeyed on and pitched his tent beyond the Tower of Eder. That's Genesis 35, 21. So this Tower of Eder, this is the Tower of the Flock. The traditional location of Rachel's tomb is on the outskirts of Bethlehem, the Tower of the Flock. The Tower of the Flock, Migdal Adair, is also found in the book of Micah, chapter 4, verses 7 and 8, the, con- the context of which is a clear messianic prophecy of the coming of the earthly kingdom of Messiah, when Jesus would reign over Jerusalem forever, the coming of the earthly kingdom. In other words, when Jesus, who's been born by this time, sacrificed by this time for our sins, raised from the dead, when he comes back, he will reign over Jerusalem forever. It says this. Now stick with me on this. It says, And the lame I will make the remnant, and those who were cast off a strong nation. And the Lord will reign over them in Mount Zion from this time forth and forevermore. And you, O tower of the flock, hill of the daughter of Zion, to you shall it come. The former dominion shall come, kingship for the daughter of Jerusalem. So in this passage, God is assuring Israel that he will still fulfill his kingdom promises in the future, in the latter days. And this promise of the kingdom was guaranteed by the coming of the king. It would be an eternal heavenly kingdom. By the way, ironically, Bethlehem and Jerusalem are connected. I'm reading here from the article. Both of them are called the city of David. David was born in Bethlehem, ultimately reigned in Bethlehem. Jesus was born in Bethlehem, and one day, from the prophecy, will reign from Jerusalem. Now, as for the Migdal Idar of Bethlehem, the tower of the flock, Alfred Edersheim is quoted in this article, and he explains the importance of the tower of the flock and the significance of the shepherds. He says this, that the Messiah which was to be born in Bethlehem was a settled conviction. In other words, everyone who was religious, everyone who was trained in the scriptures, they all knew this. Equally so was the belief that he was to be revealed from Migdal Idar, the tower of the flock. So this was known to those people as well. This Migdal Eder was not the watchtower for the ordinary flocks, which pastured on the barren sheep, uh, sheep grounds beyond Bethlehem, but this tower of the flock was close to town. This tower of the flock was on the road to Jerusalem. It was well known. 
In fact, there is a passage from what is referred to as the Mishnah. This, this is not scripture, it's Jewish commentary. It's from a book called Shechalim, verse, chapter 7, verse 4. It leads us to the conclusion that the flocks which were pastured at Migdaladair were destined for temple sacrifices, and accordingly that the shepherds who watched over them were not traditional shepherds per se. This was a very special position to care for the sheep, the lambs that would be used for the sacrifice for the people's sins. Thus, Jewish tradition, in some manner, tells us that the Messiah, the Messiah, would come from Migdaladair, where shepherds watched the temple flocks all year round. There's deep symbolic significance. This, perhaps, is not the coincidence that you may be thinking as we listen. This may have been well known to the people at the time. Because think about this. The angels said, this will be a sign unto you. And those they addressed were the shepherds who helped birth, raise, and ultimately prepare sheep for sacrifices at the temple in Jerusalem. There's deep symbolic significance here. Evidently, the shepherds did not need directions to the birthplace of this Messiah because they already knew the spot. When the angelic announcement came, they knew just where to go. Because we read this in Luke 2. The sign for them was the manger. Could that have meant Migdal Adair, the tower of the flock? Whatever the case was, and I believe this may be the case, they found that location lickety-split. Jesus, you'll have to remember, was born in the region where tens of thousands of lambs whose sacrifices prefigured him had been birthed and prepared for their death at the temple altar. So this is something that God promised and pictured and performed at Migdal Eder. Lambs, spotless lambs, innocent lambs, sacrificed in Jerusalem for the people born in Bethlehem. So is it any uh, surprise then? The opening introduction of Jesus by John the Baptist in John chapter 1, verse 29 is, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Amazing. He was the Lamb who was sacrificed. Jesus was not only the Lamb who was sacrificed, but he was the priest who offered himself as the sacrifice. We read in the New Testament book of Hebrews, chapter 7, verses 26 and 27, For it was indeed fitting that we should have such a high priest, holy, innocent, unstained, separated from sinners, just like the lambs. They were holy. They were innocent. They were unstained. They were separated from the rest of the lambs. These were special lambs. He has no need, I continue to read, like those of high priests, to offer sacrifices daily, first for his own sins and then for the people, since he did this once for all when he offered up himself on the cross. Now another mind blower. Jesus timed his death. 
This wasn't by chance. This was by choice. At the time of the Passover celebration, our Lord Jesus, born in Bethlehem, where all the sacrificial lambs were born. I mean, this isn't even debatable. It's true. All the sacrificial lambs were born there, as was Jesus. He died in Jerusalem, where all the sacrificial lambs were killed. And he will return to reign from that same region, according to the scripture. How magnificent to know that our, our sovereign God orchestrated the events of Jewish history and Roman history and tradition all because God caused Mary and Joseph to be in Bethlehem so Jesus would be born as predicted and within the environmental and special limits where the sacrificial lambs would be prepared. Jesus, my friends, is our Passover lamb. And the angel said to them, Luke chapter 2, verse 10, Fear not, behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all people. And again, how did the shepherds respond? When they saw it, they made known the saying that had been told to them concerning this child. And all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds told him. But Mary treasured up all these things, we read, pondering them in her heart. And the shepherd, shepherds were told, returned, glorifying and praising God. For they had heard it and they had seen it as it had been told to them. This was the holy night. This was the first Christmas night. Quite frankly, I don't care what the day was. I, I really don't care. I'm just so glad and grateful and thankful that it happened. And that is the story. And I hope you found this to be an incredible blessing. Hidden Headlines. Merry Christmas, my good friends. I'm Brian Sussman. Thanks for listening.